welcome back to another episode of the Moves to Heal podcast. My name is Ali Hirschman. I'm Colleen Delaney. And I'm Ethan Hirschman. And we are so excited that you are here joining us for an interview with Harley. I am so excited for you guys to hear her incredible story and her involvement with Move to Heal. So let's kick it off right there. What brought you to Move to Heal? Um, thank you for having me. Just yes. to say that. So great to have you. Yeah, here. it's yeah, so so nice to have you. Um, very honored you asked me to come. I found out about Move to Heal through one of my sponsees. I belong to a recovery group and their sponsor sponsorship in the program. And I was sponsoring this young woman who had told me about this great meeting where you work out first and then you come together and you talk about anything you're going through, any sort of life trauma substance abuse, eating disorders, mental health issues, anything. And it's a great group. And she really built it up. And I really didn't know what to expect. Um, so we went there. And it was a great workout. There was a group of people of all ages. Colleen was there. Ethan was there. And we did an icebreaker in the beginning, which was really fun just to get to know people and then had this workout together. And then we had this incredible meeting where people were open and honest and vulnerable and talking about things they've gone through and where they were at now and what they were struggling with. And I just felt this great sense of community and vulnerability that I didn't really see in other meetings quite to this extent. So I was immediately drawn in and started coming regularly. Amazing. Oh, it's so great. It's so, it's so great. great. So Harley, I've known you for just about five years, and the woman that I met five years ago was not the same person that's sitting here today. And uh, quite frankly, um, you know, I've, I've been in recovery for a long, long time, and you know, there's people that come into the into uh, into AA, and and you kind of can you're like, wow, I hope that those people make it, and and. Uh, and you were actually one of those people, because I wasn't so sure, you know. Um, you you were really troubled back then. And, and I think it would be helpful to everybody that's listening to this to kind of hear a little bit about who that person was and, and kind of, you know, some of the some of the difficulties you had while you were growing up and and that, that led you to that and then what led you to recovery. And, you know, kind of just share your story with us a little bit. Yeah. So I have known you for five years, and you you say this to me every once in a while, that you weren't sure if I was going to make it. And whenever you say that, it's like a, a knife to the heart. But I'm sorry. In a, in, no, 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 no. In, in the way that I was just going through so much, and you know, I didn't know if I was going to make it either. Mm. And um, I was in a, a desperate, hopeless place when I first saw you in those meetings. And when you say that, it brings me right back there. So it's, mm -hmm. it's good for me to think about it because I can be grateful where I am today. Um, and I'm still processing through a lot of that. I'm not going to lie. I'm not, mm. I'm not done with my healing process. I think it's an ongoing thing. Um, but to go back a little bit, I, growing up, I had a little bit of a chaotic environment, uh, households, a lot of yelling. And I was kind of the, the peacemaker and trying to um, be the one to make sure everyone else was okay. And in doing that, 
I lost sight of how I was feeling. So from a very young age, I was externally focused and lost sight of what was going on for me inside and very quickly developed some coping skills to handle those feelings that I wasn't processing. And for me, my first addiction uh, was food and controlling food, my mm. intake, how much I was exercising, what my body looked like. And it's it started with thoughts from a very young age and just wanting to control how I looked. Um, and also <clears throat> too, just control something if everything around you feels chaotic or out of your control in that way too, right? Like having this one thing that can, okay, at least I can control how much I'm putting into my body and how much I'm exercising and things like that. It does give us that sense of control. Yeah, I didn't quite understand why I was feeling uh, anxious, I think would be the right word. I couldn't put words to that as a kid, but just unsure of what was happening and yeah, out of, out of control feeling. Mm -hmm. So it was a way to focus on something else. I think mm -hmm. like yeah. what you were saying. Yeah. And especially as a child, like these things are happening to us or around us and we're not thinking like, Oh, okay. I'm experiencing anxiety right now. What's a healthy coping mechanism mm -hmm. to anxiety. It's, we're just trying to survive. You know what I mean? And we do develop these coping mechanisms out of necessity, whether they're healthy or unhealthy at least it's working temporarily for those moments. Or we think it's working. It's it's providing some relief. Well, we're kids. I mean, we don't even know. Yeah. Right. right. We you don't know. We're, know. Just, we're just like, okay, this feels better. Yes. Right. You so did, and, you, and you didn't know how to give yourself compassion. You had such a lack right. of self-love. Right. I also was a very rambunctious child of ADHD. So I had all this energy and I mm. didn't know healthy ways to get it out. Mm. Um, <clears throat> that leads me to... A story. So when I was nine at recess at school, we were playing Red Rover and I broke through the chain and there was a brick wall that was way too close to us. And I went as the girls actually got scared that I was running towards and they let go. So I went as fast as I could into the wall and fractured my skull and broke oh, my wow. arm and knocked Gosh. my teeth out. And uh, wow. I, I had a brain injury and, and missed all this school and... Uh, life significantly changed after that. So I, I already struggled with um, trying to calm myself. And this dysregulated me even more. And I got all this separation anxiety from my mom. And I just didn't feel okay. I'm not really sure how to explain it other than that. But I had to look outward, look to the adults around me to tell me that I was okay. I couldn't feel it on mm -hmm. my own. Mm. And that really continued through adulthood and into recovery. That Just will affect you for a very feeling. long time. I've, I've experienced someone with a brain injury close in my life and happening, he was an adult when it happened to him. This is happening to you when you're nine years old mm. and your brain's not even fully developed yet. Mm -hmm. So I'm yeah. sure that caused so much chaos in your life and you and you were a child so yeah. like you didn't know what to think how to act what to do and mm -hmm. and I feel like when we were when you were nine years old what they the technology they have today for like you know helping heal a brain injury is so different than back then for sure yeah, yeah. and even trying to process that at nine years old like I can't even imagine you know what I mean yeah I I didn't understand what was going on and I, I'm not sure if I had many people in my life telling me what was going on or telling me 
that, you know, I was going to think differently and things might Mm -hmm. be harder and school might be harder Mm -hmm. and social interactions might be harder. I didn't really have someone explain that to me. Um, And going back to school at the time, there there weren't the things set up in place that there are today. So I just went right back into the classroom. Mm -hmm. Like no, normal. No, like, yeah. like, you didn't, no. you didn't help her. Yeah. 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 You didn't get the help you needed. No. And you suffered. And it's like people that have undiagnosed learning disabilities that mm-hmm. they don't get the help that they need. So they suffer through school mm-hmm. and it affects them for life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it was very unsettling going back to school. And then there was all the family stuff going on and things were getting to be a little more challenging at home. It was not getting better. And I started to be at home by myself a lot, just circumstances. I had a very hardworking dad that was traveling all the time. My mom is a nurse and she was working the later shift, so I wouldn't see her on those days. And then my brother had his license, so he was just gone all the time. So I spent a lot of time at home. And like I was talking about before, I really struggled to feel just a sense of well-being, just a feeling of being mm. okay. Mm-hmm. So I was terrified. Not I was, feeling safe. I didn't no, feel yeah, safe. No safety. Yeah. Um, I was so scared. I just, yeah, terrified is the right word. I was scared and I would, I would call and, and want someone to come home and nobody could come home. And it was just a terrible feeling. And um, I became very depressed and around midway through high school, I started finding substances that would take me out of that feeling. Um, I had a friend of mine that that had pills, opiates from a parent that had surgery and, and would steal them. And that became the only thing that made me feel okay. Mm. So, so I still had some of these body things I was focusing on, which helped a little bit. But this was like, that terrified feeling wouldn't go away without the substances and, and drinking and whatever it's such I could an get my easy hands on. solution, mm-hmm. right? You take a pill and it's gone, you know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, temporary. Temporary. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, but I mean, In the that, moment. I mean, uh, you know, the, the feeling that, that substances give a person that's struggling is so amazing it's it's like it's like a miracle yeah when it at first yeah right right until right. It, and then it takes down your not, life until right. it's not right? right but but at first that's what it feels like it feels like it's really this is yeah. this is like what i've been looking for my whole life right. yeah and at 16 you know? i really couldn't name what was happening i couldn't tell people i didn't feel okay being alone i'm yeah. a teenager yeah, trying right. to become you had an that adult s- that feeling of abandonment yeah, I had yeah. that feeling of abandonment, but I wanted to do it on my own. You know, you're trying to get your independence and make it. So I really didn't feel like I could talk to anybody about it, not my friends, not anybody. So, and I was pretty angry at my parents at this point because I was like, why aren't you yeah. here? Right. So I kind of cut them out emotionally. And all, all I had were these substances and this eating disorder to focus on. And, um, and then I went through this series of deaths um, midway through junior year. So five people died within six weeks. And oh it was gosh. just shocking. Oh my, my, my first time experiencing death. And one was my grandma, who was the person that knew me most in the world. Mm. Um, another uh, boy in my school had committed suicide. It was my friend's boyfriend. And that really just um, completely tore the rug out from under me. So I, I was already very depressed and that 
turn my depression into suicidality. Mm. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, that's an option. I didn't even realize that was an option. And um, that became, you know, I, I just, I fell into this very hopeless place and, and kind of stayed there for a while. Yeah. Um, so there was other people that died, like I had mentioned, and, and you know, a family member had to give birth to a dead baby, which was mm. oh terrible. God. Just these awful yeah. things, right? Yeah. And just so hard for anyone to deal with, but especially you know, a teenager that's just yeah. experiencing death for the first time. Yeah. So fast forward, I go to college um, and I went up to New Hampshire. I'm from Connecticut, but I wanted to get away and I had family from New Hampshire. So it was like this always safe place for me to go up to New Hampshire. So I went up there and the first few months were amazing. You know, it was like, forget about your problems. You don't know anyone. I can drink whenever I want. I can do other things the way I want. And then after a few months, I think I had found a, a diary that I had written in high school, and I read it, and it took me right back there in a second. And, and the depression just came, and it was like this dark wave just came over me and, and took over. Mm. And that suicidality came mm. right back. And, I mean, it was shocking. It was, like, it was like day and night. I was so okay, and then I was so not okay. And, and it I, was instant, was like instantly from what I remember. That's how I remember it. I mean, yeah. my freshman year is quite blurry um, <clears throat> because after that, I think within a week I ended up um, and I, I took a bunch of pills I, I had. I had stolen some Ambien and Xanax from my mom and I came back to school after Christmas break and whatever had happened, I'm not really sure something came over. You know, I wasn't in a good place, mm-hmm. and and I took all the pills, and I remember I had a handle of Sky Vodka, and I remember looking in the mirror with such self-hate and, and such despair and just not knowing what to do, and I just felt so alone, and uh, the next thing I knew it, I woke up, and I was in a hospital and, and off to the behavioral health unit um, at Portsmouth Regional Hospital, and I, I was there for 10 days, and... Um, actually, the anniversary of that is tomorrow. Wow. Oh <laughs> I realized when we talked about no. the date. Wow. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> so so that was a rock bottom for me. Mm-hmm. And um, and how old were you at that? So point? I was 18. I was a freshman. Wow. Okay. So young. I was a freshman in college. And I remember we were in the hospital and, and it was my first substance abuse meeting. And they went around the room and, you know, you say your name and you're mm-hmm. an alcoholic, whatever. I didn't know what to say. So I remember... It's like, hi, I'm Harley, and I'm in college. Oh, <laughs> Harley. So, so cute. Yeah. So that was my first I can meeting. just picture you doing yeah. that. And then wow. I ended up going back to school and just trying really hard to clean up my life. But I was struggling. And um, I left school, and I started working at this restaurant. And that restaurant was incredible and, and became my family and this place where I learned how I learn. And wow. I really had a boss that took me under his wing. Um, but it also allowed my addictions to uh, be very, take a, a active role in my life. I could drink and use how I wanted while I was working. Nobody really noticed my eating disorder behaviors. It was the perfect place for, for me to go and, you know, make these connections, but also be able to live 
how I guess yeah. I wanted to at the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I what I keep thinking about is it sounds like you gained independence at way too young of an age. Mm-hmm. So you were always alone with your thoughts and you never turned to anyone because you didn't have anyone. Mm-hmm. So as we know, when you carry these on in your life, you bury these problems and you start making these horrible decisions in your life and you're like not asking for help, you're not talking to anyone and then it just becomes a snowball effect and then everything blows up and then it's like this is the importance of like what Move to Heal is, is the community and also like talking about what you have going on in your life. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, the thing that resonates with me with what you were just saying I remember wanting help really badly and not knowing where to turn. Um, There's not, there weren't, you could find a therapist, which I could tell you a whole story. I won't go into it, but I I struggled to find a therapist that that would work for me. Um, But I I kept on trying. I was really desperate to get help. And for whatever reason, I didn't meet the right people at that time that came into my life yet uh, to guide me to into a recovery life, or maybe I wasn't ready yet. Um, maybe I wasn't ready yet, but. Yeah, that's it, really, that's really amazing. Cause like, I think of like, that's not usually the norm. Usually people are, are denying that mm. there's a problem. Yeah. Right? I knew I needed and not help. looking for help, you know, but it became normal and, that you didn't, you didn't have anyone around you to support right, you. So right. you're like, I can do this on my own. Right. Wow. Yeah. So I kind of just was teetering for a while and, and it was up and down and up and down. And, um, and, and then, you know, six years later, it, it's that up and down, up and down. And I'm 25 at this point, And I got into another very low point where those suicidal thoughts were coming in very frequently and intensely. And I didn't know what to do anymore. So I ended up coming back down to Connecticut and I went to a therapist I had in high school and she ended up sending me to the hospital. She was worried about me, the thoughts that I was having, mm-hmm. and thought that was the best thing for me to do. And um, I agreed to go. And then from there, I ended up going to rehab. And then while I was in rehab, they basically told me I was a liability because of the eating disorder. So then they sent me to this eating disorder facility where I was in eating disorder treatment for, for about a year. And then um, I came back to Connecticut and found a recovery community here. And then three years into recovery, that's where I, I found Move to Heal. Right, wow. right, right. So I met you when you got, you had just gotten back to Connecticut. I had just gotten back, and I was still struggling with the eating disorder at that point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I wasn't sober yet. So when, uh, just backing up a little bit, because I'm, I'm kind of curious. Mm-hmm. You said you were teetering for a number of years, yes. right? So so were you at this, you, were you having like, moments of like okay i think i got this and then no i don't and then yeah i do or were you just kind of on the edge of falling off the cliff all the time i would say the latter yeah okay (laughs) yeah i so when i say teetering i mean i wasn't every second thinking that i'm gonna go and do something to hurt myself got it so it was between like i i don't know how to make myself okay right now um, but I'm just going to keep on trying to. I so you're in the anymore. darkness all the time, pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. 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 Not yeah. to say there weren't happy moments. Of course there right. were. And, and, and I had friends up there, but, but no one that could see these parts. Yeah. I did not let yeah. anyone in enough to see it because I thought I was too damaged. I thought 
Nobody would understand what I was going through. I thought people would think that my thoughts were crazy. Um, it's such a lonely place, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It was. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. it's just... And I, I always... I love listening to you in the meetings and I feel like one of the things you always say is you feel things so deeply. Mm -hmm. So your emotions, like you say, go like up and down all the time and that's yeah. so hard to regulate, you know? Yeah. And I'm wondering like, was I like that before the brain injury or <laughs> did the brain injury make that? So it takes me longer to process these feelings than, than other people. Um, but yeah, I've always been a super feeler. I just I, I feel think that's it. so good though. And you yeah. you're you've come such a long way and you are learning to regulate your emotions because feeling things is the first step of like healing and mm -hmm. like moving forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's a blessing and a curse. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I've been um, able to use it. And you always and describe yeah. it so well. You describe your feelings so well and and so clear where every i feel like everyone in the room can really feel what you're feeling mm. yeah i mean I, I mean i think you said the blessing and the curse mm -hmm. and and, mm -hmm. and the blessing honestly is probably for everybody else because you know That's i mean good. i mean from from my interactions with you harley because we had a, a there was about a two-year span that i didn't really see you and then mm -hmm. all of a sudden my first the, two years of sobriety. Yeah, yeah, and then and then like this superwoman ap appeared. Like wow. I, was, I was like, oh no, about wow, that. she's well, yeah. no, your recovery you was strong, and you were a you were able to harness this thing because most people don't have like don't you want want to live in denial like it's not happening. Let me and I can be okay if I just compartmentalize it and throw it over here. And when it bombs into my life, I'll, I'll deal with it or not deal with it. But if I can just pretend it's not happening, I can be okay a little bit. Or, and, you know, put it over here and focus on something and, else. And honestly, you know? that's, what, that's what substances would do. But once you take those out of the equation, you, you have to find other ways of, of dealing with this stuff. And, and, and the real way is to face them, face these issues, and figure out new ways to 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 filter them deal with them so that you know you, you can be okay right and but the habit like i have 30 years into 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 recovery yeah, is still to ignore it like yeah. it's not happening let me throw it over here and i have all this other good stuff going on so i'll just live over here for a while and i'll pretend that it's like not going on right and you never do that. You seem to face things head on. I don't have the ability to do that. <laughs> well, maybe you don't have the ability. It's kind of like I can't cry. You can't. You can't put this stuff aside. It's there, and I see it, and I can't ignore it. It's mm. like until I, I, I try to understand it more. I can't let it go. Yeah. <laughs> and but, you uh, and you always come into the meetings, and you're so raw and honest. So like you could come in, and you're like, I'm feeling really good today. And you just give everyone like words of wisdom. And then there's days where you come in and you're like, guys, I'm just not feeling it today. Can I just like let out what I need to let out? And mm. everybody just listens. And you still get we still get words of wisdom from you, even when you're like in, you know, your dark place. Yeah, because mm. you're teaching us how to act like what to do when we're there. Mm. No, it's true. Could I mean, you? Could I always I always say, like, how does this 31 year old woman who's been <laughs> in recovery for five years every time she speaks i learn something wow. she turns her pain That's into so power amazing. i was just about to say that we always talk about pain into power 
does that ring true to you? Your pain became your power. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you so much. You guys are <laughs> you're really blushing. good at making me feel good. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're good at making us feel good. Yes. Too, you know, and also, really you should feel good. What you've accomplished, I mean, just at 31 years old, I think is so inspiring. And I hope someone that's listening to this right now that... You know, you said when I looked in the mirror, like that self-hatred, mm. there is someone yeah. listening right now that feels exactly that, you know, and I hope that they can hear your words and be inspired to keep moving like, forward. Could you imagine like if you told your 10 year old self that you would be where you're at today and giving mm. and people in the meetings like when I tell you, you walk into the room, you light up the room and everybody loves when you share especially me I just get so much perspective from when you share and I relate so much and your your pain that you've been through allows you to be vulnerable with everyone and relatable relatable you know people take something from everything you say thank you yeah I I love that whole idea of pain to power yeah I'm I'm thinking about that now and I guess so all the things that I've gone through, there's been a lot of grieving for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a lot of things that I needed to process through and I'm still processing through, like I had mentioned earlier, it's not something that just goes away overnight, but I want to be able to use these, these things that I've gone through and, and help other people. Right. I, I strongly believe that we go through things so that we can help others. And that's what I want to do. And and there's people that have gone through things and they've helped me so much. So if I can do that for other people and, and I don't know how I do that. Right. I, I show up and I you try do it to naturally just show up and open your mouth. Yeah. That's yeah. It. And that, be that, honest. You don't happens. even have to open yeah. up your mouth. Your just energy be, yeah, just lights say, up the yeah. entire room. Your just energy so is so safe and it's just I don't know. I feel like it just like radiates. It's, it's like pure, pure, it's pure energy. Yeah, it's, it's 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 authentic it's, and real. The, the perfect way to put it is like sometimes meetings can go, you know, like to a really positive direction or it could be a really heavy meeting. When you raise your hand, I'm like, oh, because it just shifts the whole energy in the room. Wow. That is that's power. Yeah. And and again, no matter no matter if you're going through something heavy that day, too, it's just the way you present it and the perspective, the lightness in your voice and the honesty just really, really is remarkable. So just to point it out, like the last two meetings that I've been at with you, um, one of them, you were not in a good space and you were able to be vulnerable, tell everybody that, um, share your, share your pain with the, with the group, which allowed other people to feel like, wow, she can do that. Maybe I can do that. Mm. And then the next meeting, you were sharing the power mm. that 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 was that's created from all this and dealing with all these things head on, as opposed to you know pushing them, just stuffing them down, and you know and and trying to you know if they pop up, I'll stuff them down again. You know, you don't do that ever. You never do that. And and I, I watched the people in the room both times get benefits. Like mm-hmm. both times, so never stop being you. And and I know it's it, it can be a curse because, like, you think, wow, people can actually stuff this away and not even think about mm-hmm. it. Like, mm-hmm. how how awesome would that be, right? But but the result that and the gift that you give to others as a result of not being able to do that, 
I'm getting chills. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting chills just thinking about it because yeah. it's amazing. And, and, and honestly, it's like, you know, it, it's, it's why after you came back or I, we, we reconnected after a couple of years and I saw what was going, I never let go of you after that. I'm like, whenever I saw you, I'm like, I got to talk to Harley. I got to talk to Harley. I got to listen to Harley. I, you know, it was always like that for me. So I also uh, think that's really cool. Like you're 31, you're 61. Yeah. And you know, you learn so much and that's why I love whether, you know, obviously you guys met with in the program, but like move to heal. Like I always see people learning from everybody in the room. Yeah. And I Happens think that doesn't matter what your background thing. is. Yeah. Right. It doesn't matter what your background yeah. is, what your age is. You yeah. Everybody it's learns amazing. from everybody else. And that's where that strength and community comes. Yeah. That move to heal. Right. You know? Sure. Well, I feel like if I didn't feel that safety and if I wasn't able to build that trust with people like you, I wouldn't be able to be vulnerable like mm -hmm. that. So it's because of people like you and Colleen mm -hmm. th that in the meetings, we're able to show what's going on in our lives and, and be truthful. Yeah, setting that an example. Yeah. yeah, it's so Aww. incredible. So we always like to kind of wrap things up with, um, you know, maybe a piece of advice, words of wisdom, whatever it may be, someone that's listening to this hasn't taken the step to, you know, join Move to Heal, but your story is like, you know, resonates with them a lot. What What is something that you would say? Or maybe even speaking to your younger self, maybe something that she needed to hear um, from the person that you mm. are today. Oh, man. Yeah, that, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, the first one, um, a little bit what I just touched on before about the vulnerability piece, that opening that vulnerability hole, like I had these walls that were built up so high. Mm. I felt so abandoned from my family and from, from people that I closed people off. You know, I didn't feel safe with other people. And it happened not when I was in rehab, but when I moved to the eating disorder facility, I was like noticing how people were being vulnerable. And I was like, I have to try to do that. I have to just put my toe in the water and see how this goes. So once I did that, once I opened up this tiny little hole in my heart and let someone see it, mm. it, it was this beautiful thing. I found connections with people that I didn't know I could have wow. because I had closed people off mm -hmm. from such a young age. And that led me to be able to keep doing it. Mm. So I guess for me, that, that was the first step. And I think a lot of people build walls up when they've been hurt. So, yes. so getting the, the courage to open yourself up just a little bit to somebody you trust mm -hmm. and, and just see how it goes. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. Not letting your past harden you mm -hmm. and keeping your heart soft. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And then to my younger self, I feel like I would just say, you know, you, you have no idea what's, what's going to come of this and you're going to be okay no matter what and and keep going I, I have this little plaque that's in my car it's a Winston Churchill quote and it says if you're going through hell keep going mm. you know? I love that I love it and I just I have it in my car and I stare at it that every day great. It's just, you got to just keep going yeah. yeah the harder I fall the stronger I rise yeah oh, that's, that's so that's great I love that well I think this is a great note to kind of wrap everything up Harley thank you so 
so much. That was yeah, incredible. Thanks, Harley. Um, so and thank glad you're you. here, Harley. Thank you so, thank you so much for your story. Yeah, that, that was just absolutely incredible. You guys, thank you for checking out another one of our episodes of the Move to Heal podcast. Please like, subscribe, share this with someone that you feel would benefit from it. You can find us at www.movetoheelct.org. If you have any questions, email us info at movetoheelct.org. We're also on Instagram at movetoheal.ct. Once again, my name is Ali Hirschman. I'm Colleen Delaney. And I'm Ethan Hirschman. We hope you guys have a great day. We'll catch you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.